three, two, one, and welcome back, everyone, to the next episode of the Silicon Vets Gaming Podcast. I am Trevor, and I'm Ken. And uh, after after much uh, delay, we are back on this thing. So today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, today's going to be kind of a, a news update because there has been some pretty interesting news uh, in the gaming and technology space. But we're going to try and tie some, not like, I can't stand the channels and podcasts that just regurgitate the news. So we're going to try and offer some interesting commentary along with regurgitating the news to bring, to, to bring a little bit more value to the whole uh, scenario. So, uh, all right, with that said, Ken, do you want to start off with the big one or work up to it first? Uh, let, let's dive right in the big one because uh, this is what's probably driving the news cycle right now, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on why because you're certainly more excited about this than I am. So Valve has announced the the Steam Deck, which if I'm looking at it, makes me think of sort of the I'm thinking of like the PSP back in the day, which may have been ahead of its time, and I guess kind of compared to the uh, the Switch now, though it seems to do a whole lot more. Uh, however, as someone who doesn't, you know, I, I don't ride the school bus anymore, and I've been remote for what a year and a half, so. I, I don't anything for playing video games. I'm probably gonna do right here on the computer. But uh, a lot of the the gaming world has kind of gone a little bit nuts over this. So wh- why is that? What's what's the big deal with Steam Deck here? All right. Well, first off, it's a Game Gear for adults. That's what Dennis called it, and I think it's amazing. That's like the the perfect analogy. But no, uh, so the the Steam Deck is really cool because it is a it's a device that there are only a couple companies on the planet that could actually make something like the Steam Deck work, and Valve is one of them. I would argue that Xbox is another, like Microsoft slash Xbox is another company, and maybe, from what I've heard, Epic Games could potentially do it, but uh, I've also heard that Epic is not a big fan of the whole idea. So the basic thing about the Steam Deck is it is a portable PC. It is a PC in a Switch-like form factor. So when you look at pictures of it, it looks just like the Switch in a lot of ways. Um, But what's different is whereas the Nintendo Switch is a very closed, limited system. It is Nintendo's system. And both the hardware and the... um, software are confined by the restraints that Nintendo places on them. The Steam Deck is is a PC. It, they've literally said you can basically once it's yours, it's yours. You can do with it what you will. So the Steam Deck it come it's going to come out of the box with Valve's uh SteamOS version 3.0, which is based on Linux. That in and of itself is is important and we'll get back to that in a second, but if you decide that you don't want that operating system, that you don't like their operating system, if you want to uh, use up the hard disk space and install Windows, you can. So you can install Windows 10 on the Steam Deck and literally have a version of Windows in your pocket, or it won't fit in your pocket unless you've got those big Genco jeans from like the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, but the you can have a, a full-fledged little micro gaming PC in your pocket and that's really freaking cool and it's really cool but okay when are you going to use it well okay okay yeah like it 
I mean, they've already sold over a hundred thousand units. If the pre-order, there was a there was a blurb about somebody did some network shenanigans and was able to to peek into the the Steam stores, kind of like uh, IP pings or whatever, and they were able to they determined there have been at least a hundred thousand pre-orders in the first uh, the first couple first twenty four hours, if you will. Um, the thing is, you and I may not need it because right now. I'm in school from home. You're working from home. You don't you don't take public transportation when you are working, so it's not something that you will ever. You you might sit here and go, "Oh, it's a cool idea," but I'm never going to use it. But but again, we can't judge the market potential of it based on our particular use cases, because there are a lot of people that take public transportation to get to work who are currently using the switch. I mean, the fact that the switch is so wildly successful. A certain amount of that is probably just Nintendo. Nintendo has a an incredible portfolio of, of intellectual property. Mario, Zelda, Metroid, like these are games that nobody else has. And so people are willing to pay a premium to play them. Um, and Nintendo knows that. But then the other piece of the puzzle is Nintendo struck gold with the idea of a system that you can plug in, you know, drop into a dock, play on your TV, and then, oh, it's time to go, got to go catch the train to get to work or whatever, and pull it out of the dock, and now your game is suspended, and you can resume it on the train or on the plane or what have you. It's it's a, and the fact that the Switch has been a, a runaway success for Nintendo, it's one of their most profitable uh, consoles that they've ever released, just, I think that, I think the the switch I think is the proof of concept. So mm-hmm. in terms of like the, the the portable, the idea of a, a device that allows you to be both portable and docked. The question was whether PC gamers would embrace the idea of it, um, because I and I think the 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 switch, I think the Steam Deck, I think the the hype around it is is sort of. Um, an indicator that yes, that there is a market for people who want to be able to game on the go when they want to, but don't necessarily want to put up with Nintendo's choices, shall we say, or Nintendo's like rules. The versatility of it. Um, we could. I'm thinking. I'm looking at this right now and thinking of kind of how I I use my my Xbox right now, which as you point out, I probably haven't used for proper gaming in many many years and didn't we give them a lot of grief with the launch date when they talked a lot more about it being a media center and didn't give enough gaming was that this this last generation of xbox yeah, that, that, that was that was the xbox uh one launch where it was well, mea culpa on that because that's exactly what i found a lot of use for it as so i mean I, I, I here's the thing there, there's nothing wrong with using your console as, as a as a media center uh my girlfriend and i use our we use the xbox for the same thing we watch netflix on it we uh she streams disney plus and all this other stuff but the thing is that's a value added no one goes and spends 300 400 on an xbox to get what a 99 dollar uh roku will do mm-hmm. and arguably the roku will probably do it better if, if we're being entirely honest so it's one of those things that it just for for Xbox it was just a a huge misreading of their audience, and it was a horrible design choice for the brand, and they've remedied it since. 
and uh, I will be I, I I was finally able to get my hands on a Series X at MSRP. So I did not pay for any scalp. I did not pay a scalper because I refused to. And I can just say that that thing is a beast, and that it, it, the Series X writes every wrong that the original Xbox One. Uh, I guess inflicted upon us. This that the Series X is badass as hell, and I love it. Um, but yeah, let's go back to the Steam Deck. Uh, the Steam Deck. I mean, the, the the thing that's really cool is that so one, it integrates with your Steam library. So if you're a PC gamer, you if you're a PC gamer, you have a Steam account. You have a Steam account. You have Steam games. Mm-hmm. So it will integrate with that. And then on top of that, like I said, if you want to go ahead and install Windows on it, you can. And there's a huge homebrew emulation scene. They're, they're, they're niche, they're, they're an outlier percentage of, of uh, PC gaming, but there are a lot of people that run N64 emulators, Dreamcast emulators, uh, PS1. This will support all of those if you, you know, if you, if you run it through, if you, you install Windows and run that. So imagine being able to take your entire, like if you're a retro gamer, you want to take your entire N64 collection with you on a trip or something. You can do that, and it will run. And this thing is sufficiently powerful enough that it will probably run all those games, even in emulation, really, really well. So it's a really cool... The hardware is pretty cool. It is basically a scaled-down Xbox Series S. So it is a Zen 2 CPU, just like in the current generation Xbox and the PS5, but with four cores instead of eight, and then it is an RDNA GPU, just like in the PS5 and the current generation Xbox, but with, um, uh, what's it called? It has two compute units instead of, uh, I think the PlayStation has 36, the PS5 has 36 compute units. This thing has two compute units. So all of this, none of this stuff scales linearly, but the basic fact is the, the Steam Deck is targeting 720p 60 frames per second which on a screen that's seven inches big Mm -hmm. 720p 720p is plenty of resolution it's it's basically the equivalent of a 4k 32 inch monitor in terms of dpi so at at 720p it has enough oomph to run i mean we'll see if it can run the latest and the greatest games but it can certainly run basically any pc game from the last 10 years or older um really well so it just it it's i mean it it's a cool it's an idea and then again once you get over that hump it's a full-fledged pc experience so you can adjust the settings you can scale it up scale it down based on your 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 uh your choices so you're getting an uncompromised pc gaming experience in your hands on the go and i and i want that that's huge because like the nintendo switch is really cool but it's compromised. It's running on hardware that was basically designed for a tablet. It's a glorified iPad running on hardware that wasn't new in 2017. So a lot of the games that come to Switch, uh, the games that are built ground up for Switch are fantastic, but a lot of the ports that come to Switch are severely compromised once they get there because the hardware is just, it's not designed for it. Whereas with a Steam Deck, you're looking at a device that straight up you can have a full-fledged, uh, a, a tri- you know, a, a full-fat version of Witcher 3 or, uh, you know, 
Dark Souls or whatever you want running in the palm of your hands without without the compromises that you might get with a seat with a switchboard so it's really the cool. switch itself is compromised and i just it like you said it's pretty much strictly nintendo right i i played around with it a little bit and realized that there wasn't much i was going to do with it besides nintendo games so this this device will definitely greatly increase the the breadth of what you can do with it yeah well and that's the thing it's it, it is the same i that that's ultimately what it's coming down to is it is the the form factor of the of the Nintendo Switch with the freedom of the PC platform. The only compromise that this thing is making is on the hardware side. You, you can't pick, you know, what graphics card you put in or what CPU you put in because obviously in a device as small, it's all made custom. So it's a, it's a custom AMD APU. The, the, it's, it's 16 gigabytes of... Uh, of uh, LPDDR5, so significantly faster than normal RAM, which is done intentionally because you need APUs need fast memory. That's the biggest thing that holds like desktop APUs back in gaming is just that DDR4 is not fast enough for for gaming. And so this is like Valve has made some really great hardware decisions, and they've been really aggressive with the pricing. And it's funny because I was reading some of the comments and people were complaining about the pricing. And I, I wanted to, to scream, like, are, are you guys mad? Like, are you insane? $399 is... Valve is not making a lot of money on these at $399 for the base one. Yeah, the, 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 the top end one is like $650. But even then, they're not making a ton of money on these things, man. Like, a uh, the, the NVMe drive that's in the top end one... A one terabyte NVMe drive, those uh, of that form factor is two hundred dollars by itself on the market right now. So if they've got a five twelve, that's a hundred dollars right there, and that's not counting any of the other stuff. So like they, they're they, this thing is very aggressively priced, and it's intentional. It's only the base model is only fifty dollars more than the new OLED switch, and it comes with again all the benefits that come from that. Um, it's also a huge implication or a huge, like interesting thing, because again, it's running Linux valve has put a lot of time in valve got scared way back in like windows eight era. I want to say when Microsoft started making, uh, the, the old Microsoft started making, you know, noises about potentially locking down windows and requiring everything to go through the windows store kind of like apple does and valve immediately kick-started development to potentially move steam and all of its games to linux because again the freedom is a, is kind of a core element of pc gaming so the uh the steam deck uses valve's proton uh, wrapper, which is it, 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 it's a software wrapper that Valve has, wor has been working on, that basically translates Windows gaming, like Windows Win32 code, to Linux and allows you to run Windows applications in Linux without the developer needing to do a Windows port, or I'm sorry, a Linux port. The results are mixed. Some games run really well. Some games don't run so well. Um, Valve has gone out of their way to port all of their own games to Linux natively, and those run really well. But the end result is it's basically if this thing can push, if this thing can really move some some, some, some volume, 
one, it's cool because it's creating a new segment for PC gaming, the portable segment. And two, it's cool because it, as it grows that portable segment, it can potentially grow the viability of Linux as a gaming operating system, which is really cool. Because again, you don't ever want... As much as I really like Microsoft these days, and I feel like they're making a lot of really great decisions that happen to also be pro-consumer in a lot of ways, um, you don't ever want to let a huge corporation like Microsoft or even Valve ever have complete authority over over everything because that will not go well for the customer. Can yeah, you? I like it. I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, why I'd be excited about it, but I agree with the, the, the competition. That's a good thing. I like what's forcing uh, with travel increasing in the next year, we should probably see some, some use cases for it. But, you know, for me, I'm still looking at it saying that's that's cool. I'm, I'm probably not going to pick one up, but yeah, I, I'm impressed by it. The pricing's competitive, and if you've got a use for this, I can see why you'd be excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I reserved one. Um, I mean, at this point, according to Valve, even if I reserve one, I'm not going to get it till quarter three, 2022. So it, it's not like I'm going to get it tomorrow. But I reserve. That's because you're shipping December 21. So what's, what's different here? Uh, that's the base model. I reserved the top of the line one. Oh, okay. And the base model. And then also it's it's a queue system. So the people that jumped on it day one, they're going to get it potentially in December. The rest of us scrubs that waited a couple days, we're going to get it next year. Which, again, I'm not upset about. My thing is I have a feeling this thing is going to be super cool. And moreover, I like to vote with my wallet. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of everybody. If you don't like what a company is doing, don't support their products. Don't, you know, don't give them money. If you do like what a company is doing, give them money. Like tell them by voting with your wallet that you think this is cool. And for me, I think this is cool. I think it's healthy and I think it's good for PC gaming. And I think it's also potentially uh, might light a little bit of a fire under Nintendo's ass because I must admit, I was hoping that Nintendo was going to announce the Switch Pro or, or Switch you know, 2.0. Uh, this year and instead all they did was give us the exact same switch with an OLED screen and I'm like okay so the four year old has Nintendo ever been inspired like that yeah, I think that <sighs> no uh, they're sitting in their own little world while they let Sony and Xbox fight out yeah no they are and 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 I don't know we've talked about this before like it was brilliant for Nintendo with the Wii to just say you know what we're done with the horsepower war we're just going to go do our own thing um, the last time Nintendo tried to actually compete against Sony and uh, Xbox was the GameCube, which was a great system, but it just, it, that was a long time ago. But I still, there is a, mar like there are people like me who, my girlfriend has a Switch and she likes to play Zelda and Animal Crossing and all that stuff. And I've tried to play Zelda a bit and it's a beautiful game, it's gorgeous. It there There's a lot that's great about it, but it also struggle the frame rate on that game even in docked mode man it's rough like it drops down to 20 some you know 20 or below frames per second i'm more sensitive to that kind of stuff so i would love if nintendo would come out with like a switch pro that is has a beefier dock or something something that makes the docked experience a little bit more again i'm not expecting them to turn the switch into a ps5 but just something that makes it a little bit more a little bit smoother for on the gaming side 
And uh, yeah, they're clearly not interested in that. There's, there have been rumors for months slash even a year that they were going to do that. And in fact, that they, they, that they were potentially talking with uh, NVIDIA to, you know, the Switch Pro would be on the new generation of NVIDIA Tegra and would support DLSS and a bunch of other stuff. And DLSS, that is one use where I would say DLSS is absolutely awesome. That would be, because again, the idea of, taking a lower resolution image and then using D DLSS to reconstruct it to a higher resolution, that's, that would be, per the, uh, the switch would be a perfect implementation of something like that. It would be a perfect use case for something like that because you could render it at 720p and then use DLSS to reconstruct it to 1440p or whatever um, for you, to output for your TV. So then like when you're in docked mode, you can have a much sharper and and smoother experience than you would otherwise and so that's where i got my hopes up and then uh, nintendo was like just kidding here's no screen so valve is pulling a thanos and saying that they're going to do it themselves so i think it's cool agreed i'm not sure the 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 people who would be uh itching for us a, a switch pro Yeah, I don't see them going NHL. I think Switch is going to continue being just fine because they, they're not... Switch is not marketing to you. You know, oh, you, I, you benefit I, from it. They're marketing to your girlfriend. And this this um, Steam device is definitely going to be for you. So, Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, it... it... The the, the... Yes, I, I'm aware I'm not I'm not Nintendo's demographic. Like, I, the, there's... Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I don't use the Switch all that often. Um, mm. But... I also feel like it's something, it's some low-hanging fruit because there are IPs on Nintendo that I would like to spend more time with. And it's sometimes, I guess the Switch as a device is sometimes a frustrating experience. So a better Switch would remedy some of that. But again, Nintendo doesn't need to take money, advice from me because Nintendo is printing money. They're selling mm -hmm. hardware that's like, what, five years old at this point? And they're still selling it at full price they're making a killing on the hardware alone and then on top of that nintendo just i don't know if you've noticed but nintendo nothing goes on sale nintendo like when they I do, have that. when they do their big sales it's like uh, ten dollars off and it's like that that's it really oh, oh okay you know so they, they are sitting pretty so they don't need my help when it comes to business i just uh again being the optimistic consumer that i am i was hoping that maybe they would but i'm very sensitive to those sale issues I, I do have a switch it is uh gathering dust because i bought it for breath of the wild played a bit of that and then uh, there it sits um i am interested in using switch uh you know kind of to introduce my own fiance to gaming try and get her into it and i've selected some games that i think would be you know nice friendly entry level and i've got them sitting there just waiting to be told they're on sale and it may have been a year at this point so yeah you're not kidding about nintendo being very very proud of their ip and, and good for them good no for them. i mean i mean i'm not I, buying it but good for again them. if if but but the thing is you and i may not be buying it but a lot of other people are mm -hmm. and uh yeah so with that i think we've covered all the details um i think i just i think the steam deck i think the name's a little awkward but i i really like the concept and the whole integrating with steam so you can play a game on your pc and then uh quit it'll upload your cloud save and then you pick up your steam deck and you can kick off right where you left off and i think that's cool uh i think i, th I think there's a lot of potential here and i 
you know, Valve is an interesting company that maybe on another episode we'll, we'll go deep in some of their some of the skeletons in their closet. But I think overall this is a cool idea, and I'm I love that they're they're taking the ball and running with it. I'm gonna be a contrarian there. I like the name. It's simple. They're not trying to make some fancy brand. Steam Deck kind of accurately describes what it is. Uh, yeah, good for them. Best of luck, and look forward to seeing the the innovation it drives, if nothing else. Well, the only issue is that there is Elgato has something called the Stream Deck, which is literally like a control panel for streamers. So it's just a it's a little bit close, um, but we'll see. Never heard of it, but that's um, just not that well. Yeah, I know you're you're a dinosaur. You're a curmudgeon. But uh, let's move on to our second story. Uh, there isn't a lot of information on this other than the fact that Ubisoft has announced the next Assassin's Creed game will be online, that it will be effectively an MMO. Um, now, although they're the, not, they're not the using that The death of the Assassin's language. Creed franchise has been discussed ad nauseum and uh, obviously rumors of their demise have been greatly exaggerated because they don't seem to be going anywhere i was about to say you you do realize that valhalla outsold every other assassin's creed before it so the people of course the people bemoaning that the franchise is dead or a bunch of salty dinosaurs because it's it's making a lot of money absolutely and they've been talking about being dead since uh uh, what was the third iteration whatever that, that was now i uh I really wasn't even aware that Valhalla had been out and that successful because I, I played Odyssey for a bit and I was impressed with, you know, I do do a few Sparta kicks, that's cool, but you know, the, the sheer scope of the game, there wasn't enough interest in me to keep me playing it, and then I never even tried Valhalla, and now we're talking about an MMO. That's that's interesting. It, it is interesting. It, it I mean, and this is where I want to talk a little bit about this is sort of the chain. Uh, the theme of this episode, if you will, is going to be changes and, and, and trends in the gaming industry. Um, it is very clear that Ubisoft is looking at the success of Fortnite and the success of Warzone and the success of Apex Legends and kind of approaching it with how can we put our own spin on that with our IPs. And Assassin's Creed is without a doubt Ubisoft's most valuable IP. So they've announced this. They've also announced a, there's a new division game coming called Heartland, I believe, um, mm-hmm. that they're still supporting Division 2, um, but Heartland is going to be a free-to-play uh, sort of div- division game, effectively. Um, and even Microsoft has announced that the Halo Infinite multiplayer will be free-to-play. So there seems to be obviously this is this is kind of the new thing warzone has been incredibly successful for uh activision so much so that they now have like two or three studios full entire studios devoted to warzone full-time that's all they do is maintain warzone um which is pretty interesting so Ubisoft is kind of they've what they've what they've revealed so far this game Assassin's Creed Infinity it will be an Assassin's Creed game and what will happen is kind of like uh, Destiny or Warframe new ages like new time periods new settings will be added to the game as it goes along 
but the, the client will stay the same. So there won't be Assassin's Creed Infinity and then Assassin's Creed Infinity 2 a couple years later and then Assassin's Creed Infinity 3 a couple years later. But rather, there'll be seasons. So there might be a Roman season that you buy into kind of like with, uh, again, with Destiny. Uh, you, you buy into that expansion, you get access to those missions and that content and characters and cosmetics and stuff. And then they might do... I don't know. I don't think they're going to do a Japan because now that Ghost of Tsushima basically already made that game. But let's say they wanted to do Assassin's Creed, you know, Samurai they or Ninja. They could, that would be another expansion pack that would be added into the client. So there would, there will be a certain amount of free-to-play content. And then like an MMO, there will be new expansions or campaigns or whatnot that will get added to it. But yeah, like World of Warcraft or... Warframe or what have you, the core client will remain the same. So it's it from what I'm understanding, it's basically the MMO model but applied to an Assassin's Creed game, which is interesting. It's interesting. It makes sense from a business standpoint. I can't really f say that I think anyone was really clamoring for that. It it, it kind of seems like something that no one asked for. But, yeah, and this will be another episode of Kenny's Wrong About Everything, but I, I don't really see the demand for it, and I I will definitely be proven wrong, and they'll make money hand over fist, and I will not understand it from my yeah. white dark corner of the world. Yeah, I think it's going to be wildly successful, but it is an interesting kind of thing. The only thing that might be appealing to me is the multiplayer aspect of it, because... I have not actually been able to play it yet, but apparently the ghost of Tsushima multiplayer is really cool there, there's a mode called legends and effectively you get to take on roles of like ninjas and samurai and whatnot and you can do assassin's creed style you know stealth takedowns and the uh, and just the normal gameplay loop of assassin's creed but you can do it with your friends so maybe one person can be overwatch with the uh with the bow and arrow while the other dude goes in for the state uh, the 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 stealth takedown and you know oh there's a guard coming towards you take you know get out of sight and just that whole concept of like a co-op multiplayer assassin's creed i could get on board with that um pvp i know it i know the game did have pvp at one point back in the, like the 360 era i just that doesn't interest me at all. Um, it's kind of like Dark Souls has PvP, but I don't think I've ever played it like intentionally. I, I'm far more interested in co-op. Um, but a, a co-op Assassin's Creed could be cool. Co-op stealth in any game is, to well, me, one yeah, of the best yeah. ways to quickly lose friends. Yeah, well, that's because you just refuse to be tactical and play like stealthy. You just want to like run and blow stuff except warzone where you want to run in a corner and hide oh okay so while very true i'm thinking to say like gta online with uh the humane labs where that's probably the most hated heist mission where there's one where you've got to sneak in and if you get you know a team of randos occasionally you'll get a bunch of guys who know everything exactly but you know it's really easy to mess it up and uh, any stealth mission you know there's there's a lot of sort of MMO missions out there where you can grab some randos, attack it, and probably do okay. But uh, a stealth mission, I feel like, is one where you need to have a crew. People you know, people you communicate with, and even then things can go wrong. And that that 
kind of edges to maybe not being so funny more to me. So, yeah, I mean, that's just because you have no friends. Let's be honest. That um, is true. No, well. uh, but no, but you, you're bringing up a great point though. Is that oh, and and I've seen this trend with a lot of games recently. Um, as these multiplayer uh, experiences become more and more prolific it really does kind of shine a light on you have to have friends to play with. Like Warzone without friends is not the same experience as rolling with a trio of your buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing with this. I imagine, like you said, like especially games that are trying to do more complex than just, hey, go here, shoot this thing, and stand and look pretty for a minute. Um games that are actually trying to push sort of the actual gameplay a bit further forward, those are going to require more coordination, more teamwork. Um, and that's an, and if you don't have those, I, I could see the whole looking for group thing is going to become important for something like Assassin's Creed Infinity. So that's an interesting um, point. I just, the thing that gets me is way back as, I think as early as like Modern Warfare 3, I kind of said, I I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said to one of my friends, I was like, I wish Call of Duty would just go to like a single client, like Call of Duty online. And so you don't have to keep buying it. And then you would just, you create your account, you buy it once, and then they add content to it in in like the seasons and stuff. And the irony is now here we are 10 years later or even further. And that's basically what their what Warzone is. Warzone is now the main Call of Duty experience, and things like Modern Warfare, Black Ops, and whatever the next one is going to be, those are kind of added on the periphery. But Warzone is like the core Call of Duty uh, thing, and that is going to stay. They they they've said that that is going to be supported for a while. So it's 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 kind of this more and more uh, companies seem to be adopting. And I, and I want to give credit where credit's due. I believe Warframe was the first game that really did this right. So shout out to Digital Extremes uh, and their Space Ninja Odyssey that is Warframe. Um, but more and more companies are, 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 are seem to be going to this model, which is just interesting to me. Well, where the money is, where the success has been, I get it. Um, I always bemoan the death of the single-player campaign. And especially seeing such, I mean, Assassin's Creed is a, it's supposed to be one of those epic single players, right? So seeing that go MMO is just interesting to me. But, I mean, yeah, I I tend to be years behind the curve and wrong more often than not, so. This is why you just need to get good and start playing FromSoft games. Because there is not a better single player experience than Dark Souls and Sekiro and Elden Ring, I'm sure will be amazing too. Yes, they're trying to have me play single player games where I get destroyed so much that I go running for the casual multiplayer. All right, I got you. Well, no, I just want you to to hashtag get good and uh, stop being a scrub. But you know that that works too. Speaking of just making so much money, it breaks the internet. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen broke the internet uh, a couple weeks ago, where apparently the new the hype for the new expansion and just the overall. Uh, goodwill of the internet towards Final Fantasy XIV reached such a point that they overloaded their servers. And so they actually stopped selling new copies of the game. I mean, it's, a, it's an MMO, so it's a di- any copy you get is digital. It's a digital download. 
but they actually stopped effectively allowing people to purchase uh, a license and, until they got their servers under control again. Which... Yeah, that doesn't sound like breaking the internet. That sounds like you know wild success that they didn't have adequate you know capability to support from the get-go. But yes, you, know, yeah. you see this with every single WoW expansion. You can't log on for a little while as everyone logs on, tries it out, and overloads everything. Well, okay, but there's a difference between you can't log on and you can't buy a copy of WoW because Blizzard said straight up, we know that no one can log on, so we're just going to temporarily stop selling the game. I don't think WoW ever did that. So this is a little Doesn't bit... that sound like a smart thing to do, though? I mean, it is. You want to stop increasing the, the load on so you, you can actually support. So. Right. You know, it is a smart thing to do. I'm I, For once, I'm giving Square Enix... Uh, uh, I, I have been notoriously critical of Square Enix recently. For once, I'm giving them credit. Um, I'm just my point is it it it's pretty Final Fantasy XIV, especially if you go back and look up the story of how that game released and how they did the whole take the old version down and and do version 2.0 and completely rebuild it from the ground up. Final Fantasy XIV is a fascinating uh, business case study, but um, they it's really done well for square enix it's one of their biggest sort of cash cows i guess at this point so the fact is it looks like the cash train is not uh going off the rails anytime soon uh my girlfriend played a little bit of it um she seemed to enjoy it when she got past the initial garbage kind of mmo-ness of it all um but i know final fantasy thing is something else i've been out of i saw I don't know how many iterations ago it was, but the commercial for whatever Final Fantasy game was coming out then was like, looked like a bunch of characters in a convertible car driving slowly down the strip and bobbing their heads to some music, and then it just faded out and said Final Fantasy whatever number, and I looked at that and thought, what's going on here, Final Fantasy with a, a car? Yeah, Final what Fantasy, was that? that was 15. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I hated that game. Um that's one of the few games where I straight up rage quit and just I played it for about 10 hours and then I said nope this I, I hate everything about this and I'm not going to waste my time anymore and so I stopped playing it what uh, direction is Final Fantasy going in then where there are now Final Fantasy stories that have a car I mean they've always had cars like even back as Final Fantasy 7 on the original PlayStation and Final Fantasy 8 had cars because again that was always Final Fantasy it was a mix of like technology and magic um, they've just different games have gone to different sort of extremes like some of the older games it was a little bit more steampunk and then with seven and eight it became a little bit more modern and then with nine it went back to kind of like the classic fantasy and then it's, it's been all over the place but they've always had like giant airships and funky cars i think 15 definitely went too far towards the it basically looks like modern day wherever um but that again, what do I know? Because to be honest, I stopped playing Final Fantasy back on like the original PlayStation days, and then tried to play 15 and hated it so violently that I, you know, uninstalled it. So, I'm yeah, I picked up the remastered X and X2 to. I think that was maybe middle school era for me. Yeah, that was. And I did play PS2. that very long. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give that a try someday. But as I just completely showed how out of touch I am with the where they're, they're going on the story for these things although i know the stories have always been a little bit don't try to make too much sense of it just go along with it that still seemed weird but anyway mmo for final fantasy yes very cool interesting 
Well, it I... yeah, it, it it ties into our point. Like you know, Assassin's Creed's trying to Ubisoft trying to turn Assassin's Creed into an MMO. Warzone is basically a a, a multiplayer MMO at this point. Um, Destiny is a you know. Destiny is kind of like the prototype of the shooter MMO light experience. So you can see this this trend in the industry that everybody's moving towards these uh, online MMO or MMO light uh, diet multiplayer sort of experiences. So it's just interesting. And then when you look at something like Final Fantasy fourteen and you look at the fact that they're literally can't keep the server the servers can't keep up with how many uh, copies they're selling you begin to understand why everybody's going this route. So, Yeah, someone out there likes it. A lot of people out there like it. I, I think the last number I saw for Final Fantasy XIV, they had something like 15 million subscribers monthly. So do the math on 15 million times whatever, $15 a month or $20 a month or whatever the subscription fee is. It's a lot of money monthly. It's insane. So... Um, Sony acquired a whole bunch of studios a couple months, uh, a couple weeks ago. So they acquired Housemark, and that is the developer of the new PS5 exclusive game called Returnal, the the like third person sci fi rogue like shooter game. And Sony acquired Nixus Studios. And then they also, rumor has that they've acquired Bluepoint, but I don't think this has actually been, I don't think they've actually come out and announced this one yet. Um, Housemark was interesting. I, I, I did not expect that one. Um, obviously, Sony was very, very pleased with the performance of Returnal, and they were pleased with the professional sort of working experience and decided to snag them up. Um, Bluepoint if this is in fact true is not surprising to me because i mean blue point so blue point was an independent studio but they did the uncharted remastered so the nathan drake trilogy uh the remastered ps4 versions they did the remake of shadow of the colossus and then they did the remake of demon souls on ps5 right now so they've worked very closely with sony for a decade um, so that's kind of like when so when Sony acquired Insomniac, everyone was like, "Wait, they didn't already own them?" You know, it's sort of like, "What took so long?" Um, yeah, I feel like I see Insomniac banner at the start of a lot of games. Yeah, especially on PlayStation. Um, but then, yeah, let's talk about. But then Nixus. This is the one that this is the one where I saw that when they acquired Nixus, I kind of went, "Huh, that's interesting." Um, so Nixus is has traditionally been a specialized kind of engineering studio where they have handled ports, uh, predominantly for Square Enix, and they have handled ports of games from one platform to the other. So they handled the PC version of Deus Ex Mankind Divided. They handled the PC versions of all the new Tomb Raider games. So Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And they handled, I believe, actually the PlayStation versions of the new Tomb Raider games because Crystal Dynamics only did the Xbox version of Rise of the Tomb Raider. And then Nixus handled the PlayStation 4 port of Rise of the Tomb Raider. So they have traditionally... Their expertise is effectively porting 
and they've a pretty darn near flawless record of doing so. Like all of their ports have been fantastic. Um, they're not a studio that puts out a port and you hear about, oh, it's broken or this, that. They've done exceptional work. And, uh, but they specialize predominantly in porting console games to PC. This is where it gets interesting. Does this potentially mean that Sony is going to bring more of its IPs to PC? Let's discuss. Kenny, what do you think? Uh, I'd be thrilled to see it. Um, this past console generation, I, you know, I, I've really been, not that I could get one anyway, but I've felt no real pressure to buy the latest and greatest as I've migrated more and more to being, you know, kind of entirely PC gaming. So this, if if we were to move in that direction, I'd be thrilled because it gets me that much more just into the the PC ecosystem. And now that we're able to, you know, have all the cross-platform stuff, I, I like it. I'm, I'm not... Even my play, my PS4 has been gathering dust more and more now as I've been gaming more on the, the PC. So I like it. I, I like seeing that the... I've, I've never liked console exclusives, and I like them even less every day that I game on PC. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think... I mean, we saw... Obviously, they brought Horizon Zero Dawn to PC... And that was an interesting one because on the one hand, apparently according to Sony's investor calls, Horizon Zero Dawn made like 200% of its budget within like the first 96 hours or something like that. So effectively, the first week of sales alone covered the porting costs and made them a ton of money. So I think that kind of woke Sony up to the idea that, ooh, you know, there's a market here that we can potentially double dip in where we bring a game and and i think this is what they're going to do because i don't think we're going to see parody like where the new uh god of war releases on pc and playstation at the same time i don't think we're ever going to see that with sony um i think what they're going to do is you know they'll release the old one to pc right before the new one comes out to ps5 in the hopes that people will play it sort of fall in love with it and then be impatient and run out and buy a ps5 to continue the experience. I think that's Sony's sort of strategy on it. But the um, my understanding is the Horizon port initially was in, a, was in pretty rough shape. That Horizon Zero Dawn, when it came to PC initially, had some serious issues, and uh, the original develop like the, the port was originally outsourced to a third party, and then Guerrilla Games, the, the OG developers, had to come in and kind of take control of it and fix it to get it to where it needed to be. And from my understanding, it's in a pretty, it's in a great spot now. But I'm wondering if that experience kind of, um, if that is kind of a driver behind Sony acquiring Nixus. Because I didn't even know Nixus was available. Like, that's like, I didn't even think that they were available for, they were up for acquisition. So it might be that Sony kind of identified, at least in my head, I'm looking at this as like they ported Horizon Zero Dawn. The porting process wasn't as smooth as they probably hoped for, but the sales have been good. So then acquiring a studio that specializes in porting games makes a lot of sense if you're going to continue this process. Mm -hmm. And I got the... Jeez, what was it, the, the remaster Zero Dawn here on PS4? I've been thinking about grabbing it on Steam, but, you know, I have yet to even play that game. So, usually, the whole idea may have released in a buggy state, I wouldn't have even noticed, because I wouldn't have gotten around to it till 
I don't know how many years behind I am now. But them doing that, playing that from day one, it's probably not going to push me to buy a console because I'm usually so far behind on games that, you know, by the time I get to get around to playing that, the old one, the new one will now be old as well. But I, I don't disagree with the business model. I think your idea there is pretty solid. Yeah, it's just interesting. Um, it, it, it Obviously, it's a contentious point because hardcore fans of PlayStation don't want... Like don't go, don't ever go on Twitter when they make like if they announce like a PC version of God of War, don't go read the comments because it's a cesspool of people who basically like view it as like the ultimate betrayal of Sony that you know they might want to bring their games to more people. Heaven forbid, you know. It, 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 there's some weird people on on this planet, but um, it's contentious from that standpoint, but I feel like it, it makes sense from a business standpoint. Like Sony's done a really good job this past decade of uh, sort of decoupling themselves from their direct hardware uh, in terms of earnings. Uh, back in like 2012, I think 80% of PlayStation's revenue came from the sale of PlayStation consoles themselves. And as of like two, or as of like twenty twenty, that number is down to like twenty percent or thirty percent. So they are getting a lot more of their money from services like PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Now, and games themselves, which for the business is a much healthier place to be, because for those that don't know, almost all consoles are initially sold at a loss, because the idea is we sell you the hardware for cheaper so that you buy the hardware and then buy games and we make our money back on the games. Kind of ha- kind of like how a lot of printers are dirt cheap, but then the ink is insanely expensive. Uh, it's the same idea. Um, although apparently Sony is already making a profit on the PlayStation 5 hardware, which that surprises me. I figured it would be at least another year or two before they made a profit on the hardware, but I guess they uh, made great choices. So... All right, I think that's it for today. I think we'll call it there. We're at almost an hour, and I have kind of feel like I've been rambling. So, uh, Kenny, any last parting thoughts on any of the top, uh, any of today's topics? None for me. This is definitely the, the Trevor show. You have insight on these, and it just kind of reinforced how out of touch I am with uh, a lot of gaming. I guess I need to go on Twitch and see what's going on out there nowadays. But I am excited to see some of the, the progress on the Steam Deck, the hardware. That It's going to be cool what it'll do. Again, it doesn't really interest me, but I can see it, it being good. I can see it driving some, some positive things. Uh, totally not interested in the MMO Assassin's Creed stuff. I say that now. I'm sure you know, at some point we'll try it out and might wind up getting into it like we did Division a year plus after everyone else did. And as far as ports, anything that brings more stuff to PC, I'm happy with. Yeah. So those are my closing thoughts. <laughs> All right. Well, those are good closing thoughts. All right. And uh, for those listening, thank you again for uh, lending us your ears. And uh, we will catch you in the next one, hopefully with a little bit less of a delay between episodes. Uh, everybody stay safe and have a good day. <laughs>